Hey, everybody, welcome to the Addiction Unlimited podcast, where you get to learn everything you want to know about addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Angela Pugh, co-founder of Kansas City Recovery, life coach, and recovering alcoholic. To learn more about me, you can listen to episode zero on your podcast app or find us on the web at addictionunlimited.com. Hello, my friend. Welcome to episode 221 of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. I'm your coach, Angela Pugh, and this is a coaching podcast. I'm a life coach, a recovering alcoholic, and an entrepreneur. And since I got sober in 2006, I've dedicated my whole life to a journey of learning and personal development. I've made literally almost all the mistakes you can make. I've gone broke, destroyed my credit multiple times, had a car repossessed, relationship disasters, almost drank myself to death, almost killed another person. I've been selfish. I've been the bad guy in many of my relationships. And we do this show together every week so I can give you the inside scoop on what works and what doesn't work so you can get control of your life back. And Speaking of getting control of your life back, remember our Dry July event, 30 Days to Wellness, starts in just a couple of days. July 1st, this episode comes out on June 29th. July 1st is just two days away. Get signed up for that Dry July event. The whole point of this 30 Days to Wellness is to take the pressure off the drinking or not drinking and to focus on building the skills you need to lead you to successful sobriety. Now, the sober part is important. I want us to do dry July, but the way we're going to do it is we're going to focus on super simple fun activities. Each day, there's going to be an activity that you're going to follow through on. Some of them take four seconds. Some of them might take two or three minutes, (laughs) but it's all easy. And we're just going to show up, be together, follow through, celebrate our victories, and be sober at the same time. Because those are the foundational skills you need to build real recovery that's sustainable and long-lasting and to have fun. You guys, you have to have fun in your sobriety. If you're not enjoying your recovery, you will not stay. You will go back to your old life. If your old life was more fun, you'll go back to your old life. So it is so imperative that we learn how to have fun as sober people, and that takes action. So get signed up, addictionunlimited.com forward slash dry July, or if you're in the Facebook group, let me know in there that you want to join. I'll help you get signed up addictionunlimited.com forward slash dry July. Now let's jump into this episode today because this is fantastic. We have Michael Thurman joining us. Michael has been a part of the Addiction Unlimited Facebook group for a couple of years. He's also been a part of my Sober Society membership community for a couple of years. And in fact, I think he was one of the first people to join the Sober Society. And the Sober Society member community was born from coronavirus. Like, that's the truth. Because when coronavirus first happened, I was doing online meetings every single day through our Facebook group because all the in-person meetings shut down. Nobody could go anywhere. 
And we have to have support, you guys. You hear me harp on it all the time. We have to be connected to other like-minded people. So I started doing meetings every single day. And in those meetings, what I was hearing, everybody was saying, I need more. I need more. I need to be focused. I need to be learning. I need to be in action. And I knew at some point I was going to start a membership community because I feel like it's such a great way to connect and support people and educate and have fun, right? All the most important components. But I didn't know that I was going to do it on the fly. And (laughs) it's from those free meetings that we were doing every day in Addiction Unlimited Facebook group that I was like, you know what? Let me just launch this thing. Like everybody is craving something. Everybody needs a place to gather and be together and really get some education and be working, actively working on recovery. So I threw together the Sober Society membership and it's been phenomenal. And Michael has been a member literally from the very beginning. And we talk about that in his episode a little bit too, because I didn't realize he had been around that long. He's watched all the evolution of Sober Society We have multiple online meetings every week, and he shows up. He supports other people. He's so active in working on his recovery and enjoying his life. And now he's two plus years in, and he's going to give you the most beautiful, almost plan. You guys, you want to take notes on this one because he breaks down all these things that he has done to reinforce his recovery and make it so powerful. And it is like a how-to guide. I'm telling you, you can follow everything he says that he did and you will build good sustainable recovery also. So I love you guys. Get signed up for Dry July, addictionunlimited.com forward slash Dry July. And let's welcome Michael. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, this is super exciting. If you are in our Addiction Unlimited Facebook group, you will definitely have seen these posts. Most of the time, they say, they always say 1440. What what is the other part, Michael? You always put something else. Much love. Continue on. Continue on. That's That's the one I was looking for. Continue on 1440. I'm so excited. You guys know I love to have uh, our actual group members on to have conversation. Certainly people that have been a part of our group for a long time, and we really get to see that growth and see people's lives change and evolve. So this is an incredibly exciting conversation for me. Let's take a minute and welcome Michael Thurman to the show. Hi, Mr. 1440. Thank you for doing this with me. Hello, Miss Angela. It's an honor to be here. Most definitely. Um, So let's start with, tell everybody, what is 1440? Well, 1440 is basically the number of minutes in the day. So a lot of people will come across 24 hours in a day, one day at a time, uh, depending on the method of your recovery, um, 24 hours at a time. Uh, So yeah, so I don't know, it's just my little play on words. I kind of have a quirky little sense of looking at things. So yeah, it's just something that just kind of stuck. I played around with it when I first became a member uh, with Sober Society. I played with a couple of different ones and that one just stuck. Yeah. I love it. I think it's so encouraging too. Like the consistency of it, I think is really encouraging. So one of the things that I want to talk about, you are two years plus sober. And how long have you been in 
even just the Addiction Unlimited Facebook group. Like I know you're a member of our Sober Society membership, but how long have you been in the Addiction Unlimited group? I'm going to go for April of 2020. Like just after things shut down, I was looking for another venue, mm-hmm. another resource um, for just, you know, because AA shut down. AA mm-hmm. was my go-to. And once, you know, the craziness hit, uh, yeah, so I was looking for another um, resource and I came across it. I can't remember. Can't remember because the fog was still there. It was early in recovery and everything was so, I don't know, I just clicked. And yeah. things just naturally, organically occurred as I progressed through the website <clears throat> and then came across the Sober Society. So I'm going to say, yeah, roughly April 2020. So, yeah, because when quarantine happened, I started doing online meetings every day through the Addiction Unlimited Facebook group. So we were doing meetings every single day just to try to help support people because all the in-person programs shut down. And that would have been, if you joined Sober Society, that's when Sober Society started. Yeah. Just about that time. I think. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. You've uh, been with Al, us a long time. Al and Marie and a couple other people that are still, thank God, involved. So, yeah. 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 We do have a, a very consistent and strong core group that has remained the same. And I love that, especially for new people coming in, because we are really a pretty tight knit little family, you know, <laughs> like we've known each other for a while when people come into sober society and they get involved in those online meetings, you really become a part of our family, you know, and there some people continue to show up and be a part of it. And some people go a different direction, but gosh, it's such a good group of people. It's so supportive and happy. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's no, there's no hangups. I remember when I first started, I used to do the Monday uh, with Heather hosting and I used to be late sometimes. I was like, Oh man, I can't get in because in the beginning, like some of the other, um, uh, meetings that I would get into, if you were late, you were locked out, you know, they couldn't mm. because the meeting started. and I get it. That's fine. That's that's structure. That's in, in some, some treatment and recovery places are like that, you know, lights out meals and stuff like that. And that's fine. But, uh, no, Heather was like, dude, you can come in five minutes before the group's over. And, and I was like, okay, cool. So the a sense of relaxation came and the group and the people getting to know people and everything was just natural. And I think I did that too. I do. You could come in anytime you can leave anytime. And I think I did that a lot too, because in my beginning in AA, I was always taught that it's better to get a little bit of a meeting than no meeting. So like, don't skip if you have to be late, don't skip it. If you can only get there the last 20 minutes, like still show up because you're showing up for yourself and you're showing up for your recovery. And we even have people that will come on on their phones and like leave their camera off and stay muted and like, listen, just listen to the meeting. Yeah, that's right. You do that on Saturdays because you're working, but people will listen like while they're driving, you know, and that's how it should be. It's like, you don't always have to be in the midst of it and sharing and doing the thing. Like you can also just relax and take it in and enjoy it. So yeah, I think that was an important piece for me to kind of let people come in and leave throughout the meeting, you know, obviously as long as it's not disruptive, but yeah, I want people to come in. In the beginning of my recovery about that time, it was so important. I was like, you know, I won't say I was stressing, but the anxiety level was up. I was like, God, I got to get the meeting. I got to get to a meeting. Got to get to the group. So yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I was always late in the beginning. When I first got sober, I was a late person. Like I couldn't be anywhere on time. 
So thank gosh they didn't lock us out of AA if we didn't show up on time. Nobody would be there. Yeah. <laughs> There'd only be four people in a meeting. Close the door. <laughs> yeah, right. So let's talk about your two years. And these are stories I think are so important because we do have a lot of listeners that are in the early part of their journey, right? Where somebody like me isn't always relatable. You know, I've been sober, what feels like a hundred years. And I love to share these stories of the first couple of years and what it's like, because I think two year, year one, I feel like is very different from year two because year one, you're really just getting your feet on the ground, figuring things out. You know, I always talk about the importance of going through your first year sober and going through all the seasons, all the holidays, the celebrations, the birthdays, anniversaries, all of that stuff is your first year is just getting through the first. So your second year is, is a little bit different. What has that experience been like for you? Um, well, first of all, Angela, I'd like to kind of precess my two years now. I do have several stints with sobriety um, since 2010, roughly. And mm-hmm. that was legally enforced from a DUI. So mm-hmm. I had to go to an outpatient treatment. I went through back then, didn't really care. Just wanted to get my license back to the standard thing. Uh, but I went through treatment and I got some good stuff out of it. I got some good, you know, stuff about myself. I would never would have looked at, you know, deep dysfunctional stuff, family stuff. Why do I drink triggers? thinking errors, all that kind of stuff. And then once I got out and got my license back, I went on a rampage. (laughs) I got back into it. I got reactivated. Uh, And so for eight or nine years, it was on. It was on. Fortunately for me, I fell into a bit of good luck, didn't have to work, and it was on. I was 12 hours driving, bars, go to another bar, pass out in a parking lot, you know the story. I think we all do. Anyway, lots of drugs. You know, I do have a cross addiction. Um, my my substance of choice is definitely marijuana. Um, you know, I do live in Oregon. So, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, and I have had bouts with a lot of other stuff, meth, coke. Um, never, never used needles. Never got into that. But I, so I've experimented and I've had my time. Um, so this bout, again, from a DUI, a little more severe this time. That's the way the legal system is. So I smartened up after I got out of jail. I got into a program. I had a choice, get into this program, a very intensive supervision program, or go to jail. So obvious choice. Luckily for me, I was blessed to have a, a minimal support system. Um, I had to go to outpatient treatment again got a little more involved, uh, a little more about thinking errors and just the whole realm of it, relapse prevention and everything like that. But I took it seriously this time. I got my version of a higher power. I took AA a little bit more seriously. I took my recovery and sobriety and the things that it had to offer. And people have noticed it. You know, the people that were involved in my supervision noticed how sobriety has worked for me. So I've taken it very seriously. I've taken it to the point where I'm fixed in my routines, but at the same time, I've remained flexible. So, you know, sometimes life intervenes, right? Mm -hmm. I have to be flexible. Okay. I can't do my morning workout, mobility, yoga, whatever I do in the morning, at least make my bed. You know, I, I, I really simplified this round with sobriety. 
you know, don't overthink it. I have a tendency to do sometimes, especially with what I do in the service industry. Um, I try not to multitask my recovery. I try to do, I mean, so you said something in a podcast about taking small steps, taking on small challenges at a time. I call them increments, uh, you know, but I find that it works for me in my recovery. Okay. Where when I was active, um, I would just jump all in, you know, mm-hmm. no testing the water, just jump in. Now I think before I act, you know, and again, I think before I act. So um, I've taken it a lot more seriously and I've really reaped a lot of benefits, especially health wise. Yeah, for sure. It's amazing how much you change and in a lot of ways that you don't really think about when you're getting sober, right? Because most of the time when we're getting sober, you have, you have so many like pressing issues that you're thinking about and obsessing about and your anxiety is super high and your fear is super high. And you don't even think about all of like the wake of your recovery and all the different ways and areas of your life that are going to be changed. Yeah. Um, I found, I found, I found, you know, the one thing that I'm really glad that I do have is that I have an awareness and that awareness leads to clarity. That clarity for me leads to alternatives, you know, and those alternatives um, give me a freedom of choice. So, you know, there's a lot of things I would have never thought like that two years Mm -hmm. ago. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, people in the group, people in the sober society group, like you said earlier, you don't have to um, contribute. You can just sit back and listen. And I have pulled so many things from AA, from sober society, from other venues and applied them to what worked for me. And Mm -hmm. again, I would not think like that. I wasn't sober. If I didn't have you, I got to give you kudos. If I didn't have your podcast, if I didn't have the resources that you have provided me that I have chosen to use, um, yeah, it's a good run though. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. So many I rewards. I like to bring the energy. I come in and people look at me like they're all worn down. I'm like, dude, you're in your 20s. I'm in my 50s. Come right. on. Be glad. So yeah. What it's been would challenging you, though. That I was just gonna say that. What would you say has been your biggest challenge? Every day. Every day, every day. It's an effort. I say this every Wednesday. I'm always efforting every it's, it's not, it's not languishing, but Mm -hmm. it is an effort. I have to be mindful. I mean, there's so many, you know, I'm still, even though I'm two years plus, I'm still trying to get those synapses in my brain to go with the body, you know, and I'll use a lot of things that you say for people that are listening that Angela was saying this in her podcast. I'll use a lot of stuff that she says. take action. You know, you can't get a, you can't get results if you don't take action. So I just find that, um, every day is an effort. I gotta be mindful. You know, when I, the way that I commute to work, I go by four bars that I used to frequent and I just look at them and sometimes God, man, mm, summertime's coming up. They have cold beers always, you know, the cakes mm-hmm. are always getting changed out, but I'm like, nope. You know, I start thinking, thinking properly, you know, I don't let the committee get involved. And I'm just like, no, you got a good thing going here. Well, you know, my thing and what I tell like all my clients to do is like flip off the liquor store 
or whatever. Like that's what I did in my early sobriety. Like I literally would be flipping off like every liquor store, like not today, pal, you're not getting me, you know, like I really would do that. Or in my head, I'd be like, F you dude, you're not taking me down, you know, (laughs) but like that was part of my action in, in really keeping the clarity that that is my enemy. Right. And now it's so funny because a lot of my six week clients for sure, because we always talk about this, like they'll text me pictures of them, like flipping off the liquor store, flipping off the beer aisle in the grocery store, you know, but it really does work. And if people think I'm crazy, but it legitimately works because it does keep top of mind what your goal is. Right. And the goal is not to go in the liquor store. The goal is to get past it and leave it, leave it a part of your past. (laughs) I just, I just turned the other way. You know, I'm just like, yeah. no, talk to the hand. Yeah. The hand. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. And it is, you're right. Like I think about this too, with, you know, cause I talk all the time about like my food and exercise journey. Right. And I feel the same way with like the efforting with the food part, you know, like the more, the bigger changes I start making in what I eat and what I don't eat and really getting away from so many processed foods, right. Which then means cooking more at home, which I'm not a huge fan of. Um, I mean, I don't mind the cooking part. I just need somebody to come in after me and clean up. (laughs) Like That's the part that drives me crazy, but it's so much efforting. It is like, I have to sit on Sunday. Now this has become a part of my weekly regimen, right? On Sunday evenings, I usually sit down and I go over my week. Like, what do I need to do? What are the most important things? Um, I have a meeting, a team meeting with my employees every Monday. So I've got to be prepared going in that. And what is everybody doing? And now my food is a part of that, right? Like what recipes am I going to make? I need to make my grocery order. What do I need to get? And I think it all the time, like, oh my gosh, this is so much freaking work. It is. It is. It, it is. is so it is. much. It is. It is. And for you, yes, definitely. For me, I'm, you know, you know, I'm a chef, and I work with food all day. So I, I've got, and I work in a hospital. So I've gotten the, I've had the opportunity to really take food and my health seriously. Not that. Uh, not that hospitals provide a lot of help sometimes, <laughs> but um, the way that I eat, you mentioned the processed foods, lived on it. Yeah. If I had a dollar, if I could scrounge a dollar in the couch or underneath the seat, McDonald's, yeah. because I hadn't eaten anything, but my stomach, I was so distended. My health was so, my my gut was so distended, and so, but I could still eat a, a processed hamburger. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't feel good, but I knew I needed to eat something before I got back to drinking again. Right. So, uh, anyway, so the way that I look at food now, I eat clean, I hydrate. Uh, my fitness routine has really gotten me back into, uh, you know, I just wanted to be able to get up on my own. That was the goal. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten there and a little bit more, but when I saw a doctor, I've had teeth fixed. I've had medicines prescribed to me. All that's gone now you know, from eating well, from taking care of myself, from functional fitness routines that I've 
uh, adopted. And if I don't have that as part of my morning routine, Michael's a grumpy man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, I've been walking with another one of our um, sober society members who happens to be in Kansas City where I am. And she and I have been walking. I have this uh, almost it's like four and a half miles uh, hike that I do. And there's a couple of inclines that are pretty crazy. So really gets your heart rate up. Mm-hmm. It's so fun. And I was just telling her this morning we were walking and I was just telling her I was like, it is so amazing to me how incredible I feel on the days that we do this walk. Like it is so good. It sets the rest of my day up so beautifully. And, you know, people get frustrated with how much work sobriety takes in the beginning too, because it is a lot of effort. You really do have to put a lot into it, but the truth is that's the truth with everything, right? It's the same thing with my business. It takes a tremendous amount of work in planning and dedication and sacrifice to build a business, more or less multiple businesses, right? And to have a podcast and take care of the groups and employees. And I mean, it's a lot. And I love to put in those terms and bring up other examples because I don't like that recovery gets this bad rap. Like it's the thing that is so hard and takes up so much energy. But the truth is anything you're doing in life, especially with great rewards is going to take great effort. And it's worth it. So worth it. It's all worth it. Um, You mentioned something about, um, you know, day one, day one, day one. I, I had that for a long time and I just couldn't stop. But then again, I didn't have something hovering over me like the law, mm-hmm. uh, which is a great motivator, mm-hmm. but now I'm on my own. Now I'm out of treatment, um, off any legal probation. I'm all on my own. Um, so now the test real test begins. And I've talked to a couple of other fellow members about this, you know, now the real test begins, you know, what's, what triggers are going to easily trigger me now you know the the smell of beer the smell of pot the the being on the river during the summer vacations you know any anything with me and water you know rafting pool ocean boating fishing it's always involved liquor yeah and uh, last year I got through it pretty easily didn't really have a lot of opportunities but this year now that things are opening up uh it's gonna be a good challenge but I'm gonna take these challenges on with fervor um I want these challenges. I don't want mundane. I don't mind routine in the morning, but Mm -hmm. I like things being mixed up. I've been blessed in life with a great resilience to be able to bounce back, to be able to get up, dust yourself off, you know, all that old, you know, sayings. Um, So I'm here now and I plan on staying here. uh, And I say that, you know, knock on wood. Cause you never know what's going to happen. I always have yeah. in the back of my head, there's a little, 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 I give it just a little space that, you know, something could happen. Some, you know, something tragic. And I've had my rock bottom, you know, I have felt the worst and uh, I don't want to feel like that again. I don't yeah. want to have spend well, some light, occupy my head. So This is definitely a journey. Sobriety is definitely a journey that requires a lot of humility. And I have over, you know, a hundred years of doing this work. I have watched thousands of people relapse over pride and ego, you know, not wanting to reach out for help, worried about what people will think. How will I look? Um, There's a million ways that that pride and ego stuff will manifest, but the humility to understand that this is not 
a failing or a weakness on my part. Addiction is this thing that is incredibly strong. And I have to understand that it can get stronger than me if I'm off my game. Right. And there's a lot of humility in that. And I think, you know, I'm a scuba diver. I love the ocean. And I think of it like the ocean in that you can sit and look at the ocean and it's just water. Right. In a regular day, water is not going to take you down. But you want to jump in the ocean and think that you can control it, you are going to lose that battle, you know, and it's just water, but you will lose. And I think of addiction the same way. So it's like, I have to have the awareness that this thing is just bigger than me and that's okay, but I have to be on top of my game. I never, even this many years in, there is never a moment of my life. I think, oh, I've got this, you know, do I think I'm going to relapse? No, because I don't want to drink and I'm really on top of my game. But my effort is in staying on top of my game and keeping it fun and enjoyable and staying connected, right? Because the minute I think I don't need to do stuff for my recovery, that's the minute that that addiction is going to start getting stronger than me. Like I was saying earlier about thinking before I'm acting, I I do that with my recovery. I think about things that I'm going to drink. I find myself when I go out to restaurants, uh, is there any alcohol in that? You know, there could be a wine sauce. Even though this is why I know mm-hmm. the alcohol gets cooked off, that's all great and fancy, but I do this for a living. So anyway, I just don't want it. Yeah. I don't want any, I like mocktails. I'll take mm-hmm. a mocktail, um, but I won't mess with like even non-alcoholic stuff. I just don't want, I just don't want it. Um, but other things that um, have really been affected by me personally is my health. I have nerve issues from swelling in my ankles and my feet. Uh, luckily my liver survived. Uh, mm-hmm. I do have a lot of family history with alcoholism, um, but I came out, I don't want to say unscathed, you know, I fell down one day, I woke up the next morning and now my shoulder is all messed up. I had a black eye, woke up in the ER with 12 stitches in my head. Wow. Um, yeah. So I've had, a, I've, I've been beaten up, but I'm blessed and thankful and great, grateful every day that uh, I'm where I'm at right now. I'm at a good weight, yeah. good health. My teeth are all good. <laughs> you know, I never re- you never think about oral health. You never think about the absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. I- I'm addicted to pedicures now. You know, every six weeks, <laughs> I got my little lady, and she gets in there with her knuckles and just gets in there, and I'm just like, ah. Oh, I love that. That's a good so, relaxing you know, thing. Foot, foot care is important. Self, you know, self care. Never heard of it until this whole pandemic started, and I really became mindful of it. It's okay to get a pedicure. It's okay to soak yeah. your feet. Yeah, it's okay to, you know, for a man, you know, for men, yeah. you know, men get this machismo stigma stuck with grooming, self-grooming, and taking care of yourself. So, uh, yeah, two years ago, not even. I've had people ask me to sit on the other side of the bar. You smell, mm-hmm. you know, it's just total three sixty. Just I like a picture. I some my case manager when I graduated from this program sent me a picture of the day I got out of jail. I should send it to you. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. It's night and day, huh? Horrific. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And the liver is pretty miraculous. Like it can do an incredible job of regenerating and healing itself. And not to say that we don't damage it because who knows? And, you know, like, I don't know what's going to come up. I mean, I smoked for 20 years too, smoked cigarettes and 
who knows what might come up later in my life. I don't know, but I know that for me at this stage of the game, I want to be doing as many things as I can to care for myself and, and rejuvenate my body because I did abuse it to death for a very long time. Yeah. But I think the biggest, I think the biggest thing for me right now, so I, I made a, I made, I don't want to call it a resolution, but I made an intention for myself this summer is to do different things. Now that things are opening up, I can do this, you know, like I can go to parks and I, cause I bike, I commute by bike and public transit. I don't drive. Um, I, I want to go out and I want to learn how to throw a hatchet, you know? So I have all these goals and all these things that I plan on doing this year. And it keeps my mind busy. It keeps the boredom from creeping in. Um, I go out and work in the yard when my mind starts to think about drinking or what I'd be doing right now, two years ago at this time, I'd be on a bar stool, mm-hmm. you know, so I find it, but I find it challenging too, which kind of invigorates me to do those simple things. Go do your laundry, you know, yeah. go do those domestic stuffs around the house. So um, I'm finding this journey really enjoyable. And this summer is going to be different. I'm going to take on new challenges. This being with you being number one, Mm-hmm. So um, I'm enjoying it and just the opportunity to meet people and do some sober activities. And I'm looking for activities here in Oregon that have those sober recovery AF uh, mm-hmm. groups. And I don't see anything out here in Oregon right yet, but I'll keep looking. But uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, on my radar is probably making sure I stay out of risky situations. Um, sure. Because I also have... I like ladies. Let's just say that, you know, I have, you know, like I said, I have a cross addiction. So, um, uh, yeah, so, but I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to bring great, good things for me and I'm going to get to meet some people and get that socialized social life, um, activated and recharged. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it can be really fun too, you know, and it's, you know, I always have a plan. I don't know if you've heard me talk about this on the podcast. I think I've done two or three podcasts about having a plan, you know, in social situations or family gatherings, whatever the thing is, you know, like I always drive myself, no matter what, I always have my own car. I decide before I ever get there, I make a decision how long I'm going to stay. So as soon as I walk in and I'm like giving hugs to everybody and saying, hello, I'm also immediately telling them I won't be staying long. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, so good to see you. I don't have very much time, but I'm so glad I get to hang out for just a little bit, you know? So I'm already creating that expectation yeah. that I'm going to disappear shortly. Um, I can be also mindful of like who I will sit next to. <laughs> And I know that sounds silly, but like, I'll go meet some of my drinking friends. Um, I really love baseball. I love the Kansas city Royals. They're amazing. It's one of the most beautiful ballparks in America. I have a little obsession with ballparks. So, um, I'll go meet my drinking friends to watch a ball game. Right. And I usually will stay 60 to 90 minutes. 90 minutes is really my cutoff point. But one of my buddies has one of his friends who gets really obnoxious, you know, in like a few drinks in, and I'm a girl, right? Like, I don't want some obnoxious drunk dude, like putting his arm around me or trying to touch me, or I don't want any of that, you know? So like, I won't sit next to that dude. Like I make sure, and I'll tell my buddy, I'll be like, dude, listen, when we get like, will you just save me a seat? Like, don't put me by that dude. I don't like that dude. Like he's nice, but I don't want to sit by him. It's like, I just play it through in my head and I have really healthy boundaries 
And I protect myself above and beyond everything. And if it gets uncomfortable, I will bail in a split second. I don't care if I look like a weirdo. I will fake a headache and leave faster than you can imagine if I get uncomfortable. <laughs> and that's how you stay safe. I like, I like, uh, I think one thing I adopted from you is definitely no matter what room I walk into or what, it, whatever area, whatever atmosphere I walk into, I'm always looking for an exit plan. Yes. Because, you know, it's not like you're going to go someplace and do a recon and figure out and then come back, you know, five days later. Right. right. I'm always I'm always looking for just, okay, who, where's the water jug? Where's the bathroom? Where's the door? Yeah. Where's the back door? You know, I always try to make sure that I don't get pinned in between wall and people. Yeah. Stuff like that. Just because, you know, because sometimes people tend like I've been in places where people will walk by me and their martini glass is coming by and they're walking by. And I'm just like. See, and it's those things. Those are the kind of things that you can't necessarily think of in advance. Like you don't know what little things you also don't know what feeling is going to be triggered. Like, again, I don't have any desire to drink, so I don't worry about something triggering me and making me want to drink. What I worry about is something making me feel some type of way. So I can get a little nagging, like feeling left out. Like when I see all my buddies, like cheersing their shot glasses, like those little moments where they're bonding, I can get a little tinge of being left out. And if that feeling gets too big, I'm going to go home. I'm not going to sit there and be in the midst of it. I also almost always will have one of my sober friends that I'm texting with. Um, that I can connect to if I have a moment of discomfort, because maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's, um, that little feeling left out kind of thing. Maybe it's just my group anxiety. Cause I've major anxiety in groups of people, like any number of things can be triggered that will just make me really uncomfortable. And that's when those boundaries are so important. And, and again, the humility, like having the humility to be able to leave, if I need to leave, I'm leaving. Because I am protecting myself above and beyond anything. I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, I can handle this. I'll be okay. This is no big deal. I'm not doing that. I don't care if I look like a crazy person to everybody else. <laughs> like I will leave if I need to leave. Yeah. I, I used to have a problem with um, setting boundaries because I felt like maybe I was, I was putting myself in a situation where I was not going to be included. So, but finally mm-hmm. it was just like, no way my sobriety, you know, and that was in the beginning. And that's when, for me, the floodgates were open and ripe for relapse. You know, yeah. when I didn't know where I was going, I didn't know which was the best method for, you know, you know, meet meetings and getting the good information and stuff. So, um, yeah, but I learned, I learned, I'd say, I don't know, really quickly. I think after I started listening to a lot of your podcasts, just understanding how to set boundaries. Yeah. And, and when to set boundaries was the most important because I'm just kind of, come on, bring it in. Yeah. It's group hug. So, um, and so finally having to pick and choose and push away and swipe right and swipe left and everything right. out of my room kind of thing, um, became easier. And now I don't want to say I'm, 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 um, confrontational, but I'm heavily on the assertive side. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, well, and I have places, I have places too, that I won't go. You know, there are certain types of places that are just like really drunk, you know, like I don't mind going to a restaurant with a bar and even sitting at the bar. Like I can be okay with that most of the time. Sometimes I don't even want to do that, but 
but really like bar, bar places where everybody's just heavily drinking. Like I'm not doing that at this stage of the game. Like it's not interesting to me. I'm old. It's usually really loud. Like I'd rather be at home with my dog, you know, working on something for sober society or something. Like it's just not, it's just not fun to me, you know? But but you coming home and doing stuff for sober society and hanging with your dog, that's fun. And that's cool. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just where we get. And, and I'll just use you and I for as an example. We're both in our 50s, almost in our 50s. Sorry. I don't want to rush it. I will be 50 um, in yeah. June. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I don't I don't see a problem with coming home early and going to bed early and just wanting to do nothing when it's okay to do it, you know, and, and, and and you say it a lot, you know, you have to forgive yourself. You have to give yourself permission. And so I'm still, I don't struggle with it, but I, it, it it goes through my head consistently. Okay. This is okay. This, okay. This, and then everything gets sorted out properly. And then I'm in a good space. So, you know what the shift is for me was, especially because I was a night person, right? I was a nightclub bartender. So I literally get up now at the time I used to get home from work, you know, four thirty-five o'clock used to be when I was just rolling in from work. And now that's when I'm getting up making coffee. And, but the shift was my life used to be, it used to revolve around the evening time and what I was doing and where I was going. Now my life revolves around the morning time. So I love being in bed early. I love having my little routines. I can't wait to wake up and get dog kisses and take him out and make coffee. And like, that was the shift. It went from preparing for the night to preparing for the morning. Yeah. yeah. That's a yeah. good life. It is. You know what? It's, a, it's a good life. I like getting up early. Well, and I think once we start our careers or whatever we're going to do in life, uh, definitely we, um, we get that shift to being responsible. And then most of our responsibilities occur during the daytime, which means we have to change our whole, you know, shift our sleep cycle and stuff like that. But, uh, it's, I enjoy it now and I'm fine with that. I don't want to be 20 again. I'm when I do my mm-hmm. fitness, when I do my fitness, as long as I get in a certain zone with my cardio and I know my limitations on weight and movements, it's a good, it's a win-win for me. Yeah, for sure. How would you say, because you are service industry, like you said, you're a chef. How would you say your recovery has changed your life in the professional sense or has it? Oh my goodness. I don't, well, let's see when I used to roll like sushi or burrito or anything that uh, needed dexterity with the fingers, I was always shaking because I didn't have my vodka bottle in the freezer before I left for work in the morning, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was shaking, waiting for brunch, waiting for brunch shift to end so I could go get a drink. But um, it's, it, it's given me more focus. It's given me a, definitely a lot more energy, a lot more motivation. It's given me more clarity. Um, it's just, you know, I was always good at what I did or what I do. I could always cook. I could always use a knife very well. I could always properly cook to correct temperatures and stuff like that. And that high functioning alcoholic in me made it easy for me. So I didn't ever realize that I had a problem. Um, but I can notice a difference now that I'm serious about my recovery, that I'm serious about sobriety 
is that my train of thought has actually promoted me through work. So, mm-hmm. you know, not so much financially, but responsible wise, which is fine. But I'm at a point now where I'm like, I don't want more responsibility. I want mm-hmm. more money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I was going to ask that too. Like, have you noticed, have your ambitions changed as a result mm-hmm. of your recovery? Cause mine definitely did. Right. Where, yeah. I mean, I was a bartender forever. I, at some point in my sobriety, I knew I didn't want to be a bartender forever. It was the greatest job, but I started wanting to grow up, but my dreams and aspirations and ambitions changed significantly through the course of my recovery. And I guess because my self-esteem and my belief in myself changed too. Yeah. Um, I definitely, I wouldn't say so much aspirations with where I work, which will probably be the last place, hopefully that I do work. It's a great job. I like what I do. The creativity that's given to me, the freedom, the no micromanaging is great. Um, I don't really have any aspirations as far as there, but what I do aspire to is really wanting to learn about clean farming, clean agriculture, because what we put in our body hopefully comes from the ground or something that is on the ground or in the ocean or in the water um, or in the sky. Um, But yeah, so really getting, so that's one thing I want to do this summer. Like I was speaking earlier, some things I want to do is get out to the farms and just talk to the farmers, you know, and just try stuff, work for a day, um, get dirty, you know, I want to get out there and get dirty. People don't get dirty anymore. Everybody's afraid to get dirty, you know? Yeah. Get your hands on your face and handprints and stuff like that. So yeah. And then, and then distributing it to, I, I do, I'm a, I'm a big advocate for service. I'm a big service guy. And I serve, I uh, volunteer at Meals on Wheels, mm-hmm. which is a local at a local senior center here in the city that I live in. And so, you know, no hung, no hungry senior is the motto. And so even though it's not a lot of food because of budgetary and stuff like that, it's still important for me to be of service. It gives me great feeling to know that I'm doing this and service is important for me. Even when I make those little posts on Instagram or Facebook, that's a way of me reaching out to anybody. Mm-hmm. There's somebody in a dark hole in a dark space in their head, you know, um, you know, it's an, an addict alone is in bad company, you know, in my mind, man, that's the <laughs> truth. Um, so, uh, and I, really hate to see people, uh, you know, go to their dark room to develop negative thoughts. You know, it's a little photography pun there kind of thing. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, so it's, it's just, you know, and that's my little contribution to people in recovery, my recovery. Um, you know, it's not a lot, but right now it's what I can do. And hopefully somewhere down the road, I can maybe do a little bit more, but two days a week, my days off, I can do something of service and then that's it. Love yeah. it. So yeah, I just run. I just try to be involved. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not asking for anything. I don't need an answer. I don't need a like. I don't need a friend request. That kind of stuff. It's just like I said. It's just free. It's and I think the I think the the Facebook page is awesome because there's so many people that are reaching out, which is important. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. kind of like it's kind of like in AA. You know, the it's important that I don't want. I'm not an old timer, but you know, it's important that the new person is always there because it keeps us grounded. It keeps us humble. It keeps us, you know, remembering where we came from or we're restarted. So, yeah. I think the newcomer for me is so much fun too, because there's a certain excitement there, you know, and that's one of the things I love about our Facebook group too, is 
because you get people, I mean, of course you get people struggling who are connecting, which is hugely important. You have to be connected, but it's the, the celebrations, right. And people having those light bulb moments in their first year or two years of sobriety and getting to see those and share those. And like, there's a hope and excitement in there. That's so much fun to me with newcomers. Yeah. And I think the one thing that you've really been mindful and you and your staff have expressed through the the Facebook page is that, you know, you're, you're reaching out, people reaching out for help is encouraged. We need you to reach out for help because not only does it do us good, but obviously it's beneficial for the person reaching out. And I think that people are grabbing that message. I think there's more out there that are just that one little, you know, you don't have to show your face or anything like that. You just have to show up. To show up. That's right. Okay. Last question. Favorite question. What's your favorite thing about being a sober person? Wow. I'm definitely going to have to say the opportunities that have been afforded me. Um, Number one, the redevelopment of the relationship with my mother. Um, Still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the door, I'm going to say halfway open. Um, and it just, everything kind of just, you know, binds off from that. Just, you know, some of the healing that I've been able to do with old non-drinking friends, you know, not um, the healing that I've done with my body and the things that I have to look forward to. I love looking forward to the summertime coming up. You know, it gives me something to look forward to. It keeps my mind busy because I'm a planner. Like mm-hmm. when I go on, especially now that I bike, um, you know, I have to plan, I have to pack appropriately. I have to look at the weather, that kind of stuff. And I enjoy that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Keeps me busy, keeps my mind from going elsewhere. Um, and just an outlook on life. I wake up, I may not be the most jovial and on fire kind of waker upper, but, uh, I'll get there, but waker you know, upper, waker upper. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the opportunity is there for me to get on fire get up and do my morning routine and make my bed, have my lemon water and stretch for 45 minutes. Yeah. I have to get up early, but yeah. (laughs) Well, Michael, thank you again for being willing to come on and share your story with us. It's been such a joy getting to know you over these last couple of years and having you in meetings and always a ray of sunshine in our group. Like I just appreciate that more than, you know, Thank you very much, Angela. I most appreciate everything that you do for us. And I hope you have a great weekend. You've reached the end of another great episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. Candid and honest conversation about addiction and recovery. Be sure to visit us at addictionunlimited.com to join the conversation and access show notes and links to everything we talked about. Love this episode? Please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes to help us improve and give you the information you want. Thanks for listening. See you next week.